the ancient Egyptian origin of baseball. I give thee all life and power, all stability, all health and all joy. When appearing as the king of Upper and Lower Egypt on the throne of Horus, like Ra forever, creator God Shu, the edifice of Taharka. Viewing ancient Egyptian signs through the lens of new science and human behavior shows that ancient Egyptian deities are signs for viral and bacterial DNA and proteins functioning along the ancient glycolysis fermentation pathway in our cells. Because of the complexity of the genetic process, the pharaonic priesthood invented the game of baseball as a model for their microbiology. This suggests that sports warfare, baseball, soccer, football, basketball, and so on, is a sign and natural pattern reflecting this viral genetic survival message. For baseball, this claim is clearly supported by the carvings on the subterranean edifice of Pharaoh Taharka. Wearing a ceremonial tail, Pharaoh Taharka pitches four of the first fastballs in history, symbolic of clearing away the enemies the balls are born to protect the risen deity Osiris forever. Taharka 690 to 664 BC was a 25th dynasty Nubian Ethiopian pharaoh whose edifice exists between the sacred lake of Karnak and the south enclosure wall of the great temple. The excavation of the subterranean edifice of Pharaoh Taharka began in 1907 through 1908 when G. Lagrange, under the direction of G. Maspero, cleared the monument at Karnak. By 1969, J. Lawfrey had cleared and studied the mysterious nylometer, a long, narrow structure connecting a court leading to the east entrance of the edifice. Finally, Richard A. Parker Jr., J. LeConte, and Jean-Claude Goyon collaborated to produce their 1979 work detailing the architecture of the edifice the plates of scenes and texts and the translation of the text jean claude guyon not only translated the text but also provided an interpretation of the egyptian ceremony that was performed in the ruined building of taharka goyon notes that the themes date at least until the new kingdom but the evidence is that they date back to the old kingdom pyramid text circa 2520 bc in the said festival according to King. The ritual carved on the walls depicts Taharka attired in a kilt with a triangular front and ceremonial tail as he walks to the west, carrying around a round-headed mace of consecration. The Pharaoh proceeds to sacrifice four animals and offers incense. Taharka consecrates white bread in the hopes of having life forever. And then he walks north.
He then enacts the well-known Egyptian ceremony of running with the oars or water jug that relates to good running capabilities for rising with the wind on the night bark journey through the nether. The night bark is represented on the walls with a storing oar fixed to support on its stern. Carved on the edifice wall is a hawk winged sun disk described as he of Edfu, the great god, lord of the sky, many colored of plumage, who comes out of the horizon, the lord of Mesnet, may he give life. Taharka then proceeds to the chapel for the rites of the mound of Jemmeh where the carved lentils also show the wife of the god walking in front of Pharaoh Taharka. The scenes on the west wall also depict the lady of Bet, the bovine goddess or form of the goddess Hathor, Hetheru, who is also on the front and back of the Narma palette. A winged solar disc in two uraei with the Egyptian Ankh, sign of life. At their necks, decorate the west wall. On the center of the mound of Jemme is a vaulted crypt, symbolized by a wide band arcing above two outstretched arms with hands open toward the sky, similar to Christ's stance on the cross 600 years later. This is the mound of the netherworld deity Osiris who is rising. Another scene shows a priest bearing a shrine chest who is being purified with an incense cup. Four priests and a divine votaress called the wife of God bring the tabernacle of the god Amen-Ra Kamut-F. Many scholars believe the wife of God represents the goddess Isis. Other scenes depict the divine votaress or uh, Isis shooting four arrows to the four cardinal points, as well as the solar right where Taharka throws balls from the mound of Osiris. Parker and colleagues explain the throwing of the ball ceremony. In the actual rite, The king ran toward each of the cardinal points in succession, throwing one of the four balls in each direction, but conventionally he is represented as running toward the right, the four successive phases being concentrated into one. The officiating sovereign throws the four balls with his right hand, while his left one holds a mace with a pear-shaped head. An understanding of the physical aspects of the right and its significance is made possible by some late papyri describing the ball throwing ritual. They tell us that the four balls are made of clay, that they have the names of the protective divinities inscribed on them, and that one has to be thrown toward each of the cardinal points after the curses appropriate for that quarter of the world have been pronounced over it. The tutelary deities whose names are inscribed in the clay are paired off 
South Ball, Amen and Montu. North Ball, Shu and Tefnut. West Ball, Wajet. East Ball, Sekhmet and Bastet. These are the principal deities to carry out the curse on the enemy coming from one of the four directions. The magic bearers of their names, the balls, are defined by the text as the protections of Ra, born of him, or as the balls come into existence for Ra. Like the shooting of the arrows, the throwing of the balls is necessary to purify the universe for its welcome of Amun as he is reborn. In this Egyptian ritual, a blood sacrifice is made, incense is offered, bread is consecrated, a tabernacle is presented for the God's divine raw entrance or resurrection, and two arms are stretched out like Christ's arms on the cross. Then the wife of God, Isis, shoots four arrows with her bow, and the king conquers the enemy with his mace bat. And multiple balls that are fired from the mound of Osiris to the four quarters of the world in an act of purifying the universe. The bullpen of pitchers. The origin of baseball is ancient Egypt. On the dual-sided Namur palette, circa 3000 BC, carved from gray green siltstone, the torso of the pharaoh wearing the right crown is to the front with his right arm lifted and ready to strike his enemies with a mace. Above this striking pharaoh are two heavily horned bullheads with two additional bullheads on the other side of the palette. Four bullheads suggest the four quarters of the sky and the bovine goddess Bet, a form of Heteru, the bull goddess. This reminds one that baseball diamonds are often set up today relative to the four directions of space, and each team has a bullpen for pitchers. Greek historian Herodotus, who visited Egypt century BCE, said that a flash of lightning descended upon a special cow causing her to receive Apis, a black bull with a white diamond on his forehead. An eagle image on his back, double hairs on his tail, and a scarab beetle under its tongue. Herodotus wrote that Apis was the calf of a cow, which is never afterwards able to have another. This means that each special calf descended from a cow struck by lightning that was incapable of conceiving another offspring, a virgin cow. In genetics, this type of lightning, asexual virgin breeding for specific traits is called cloning or forming genetically identical calves by nuclear implantation. As we shall see, viral replication or cloning 
of spherical forms describes the chemistry of ancient Egypt. We see this image of a striking deity again in hour two of the ancient Egyptian book Amduat. Figure 3.4a shows the striking god called Powerful Arm, he who smites his enemies. In Amduat hour two, deity is second from right. Figure 3.4b, studio photo of Philadelphia printer from New York Public Library spouting collection donated in 1921 by early baseball player and sporting goods tycoon A.G. Spouting, whose name to this day is printed across every ball used in the National League. Pharaoh Taharka exhibits the same pitching posture of the striking deities on the Namer palette and in the Amduat text. Jean-Claude Goyan, who translated the hieroglyphs on the walls of the edifice, notes that the underground building was consecrated to primeval deity Amun in his special aspect as the Sa, or he whose arm is sublime. The text for the throwing of the balls right also states that the king throws the balls when he halts at the mound of Osiris. So the ancient king pitches from a pitcher's mound, just like our modern baseball pitchers. However, this is the pitcher mound of Osiris who all the potent noble dead are associated with in the coffin text. In addition, the image in plate 25 of Taharka with his right arm raised, his legs spread to throw, his left arm stretched out is the same image of powerful arm, he who smites his enemies in Amduat hour two. However, in ancient Egyptian texts and the edifice of Pharaoh Taharka, arms have a special genetic significance in the Pharaoh's netherworld journey as they do for our modern genetic engineers who also speak of genetic arms on DNA molecules. According to the Isis thesis interpretation of ancient Egyptian texts as decoded through the lens of contemporary silence, science, the edifice's artwork and the rites of the mound of Jeme, of two arms outstretched like Christ stands on the cross is the sign for the two arms of the viral genome, DNA or chromosome of phage lambda. Now, lambda lifestyles happen in the tiny quantum world. So the subterranean edifice of Pharaoh Taharka symbolizes his journey through the quantum world described as the regions of the dwarfs. The ongoing echo of this tiny dwarf world is the modern baseball dugout, which is nested in a modern baseball stadium that is akin to a large concave underground hole. Further, the king in the Narmar palette swings a white mace or heavy club similar to a modern bat. Actually, King Narmar's mace is the identical shape of bacteriophage lambda, whose morphology is a triangulated icosahedral head enclosed in a sphere. 
As many observed in December of 2006, the Chicago Field Museum exhibit of King Tutankhamen and his royal ancestors showcased a beautiful white sculpture of a mace with a triangulated head. The mace or bat of the pharaohs has the iconic morphological signature of the spherical phage lambda. <clears throat> The genetic switch hitter. Probably the strongest connection between the game of baseball and Phage Lambda is the competition between its two dominant repressor. Proteins, C1 and Crow proteins that control Lambda's two lifestyles, respectively Lysogeny and Lysis. Both proteins compete for three binding sites or gene seats on the right arm of the viral genome. But there are also three binding sites or gene seats on the left arm that help determine the lifestyle of lysogeny or lysis. Put simply, possession of the right arm's three gene seats allows both C1 and Crow proteins to fold and bind their genes or home plates. These three gene seats are similar to baseball's three bases. Both C1 protein and Crow protein have a team of enzymes that cascade into the contest to win the three bases, making a run to the protein's native folded state or home plate. The competition is especially tough because the genes encoding C1 protein and Crow protein are adjacent on the lambda chromosome. So, the proteins and their folding energy landscapes are entangled. Also, Crow protein is much smaller than C1 protein. So it is David and Goliath all over again. Crow protein is made of only 66 amino acids, while C1 has 236 amino acids. It is interesting that the Crow protein has 66 amino acids, reminding one of the numbers of the beast 666 in the book of Revelation. Also, the two competitive proteins are transcribed in opposite directions. C1 protein is transcribed leftward, right to left, while Crow protein is transcribed rightward, left to right. If C1 protein and its team of proteins capture the binding basis first due to leftward transcription, <clears throat> by an RNA polymerase activator, also known as Tahuti, the virus becomes dormant within the cell for the lifestyle of lysogeny. Yet if coprotein and its team capture the three binding sites due to rightward transcription, the prophage rises from its dormant state and takes over the replication machinery of its host to clone its own kind through the lifestyle of lysis. The genetic contest between C1 and Crow proteins results because the proteins are following the folding slash binding instructions from their respective genes, C1 gene and Crow gene. This molecular battle is a game similar to baseball due to all the additional proteins involved in the competition. If either primary protein wins or runs the three bases for a home run, that protein folds to its native state and activates its gene for the lifestyle it controls. This genetic home run to the native state by the protein switches on the gene or home plate. 
All that is necessary for victory is to capture the three bases or gene seats on the right arm of the lambda genome. Figure 3.6 is a section of the lambda DNA or chromosome showing the left three operator sequences and the three right operator sequences that activate either leftward transcription of the C1 gene or rightward transcription of the Crow gene. The proteins battle over control of two promoters or series of three leftward operator sequences, OL1, OL2, and OL3, and three rightward operator sequences OR1, OR2, and OR3 that determine lysogeny or lysis. Ancient Egyptian texts named these operator sequences the mansion of the six. Both proteins bind to the right side, but in a preferential order. C1 binds the right in the order of OR1, 2, 3, while Crow binds OR3, 2, 1. Egyptian texts describe this protein as a competition between two brothers, Set and Horus. If C1 protein or Set binds the OR1 first, then it captures the entire operator sequence, stimulates its own synthesis, and stops the rightful order Ma'at of Crow or Horus. Lysogeny is the result. Yet, Coffin Text 1181 states, I am sitting on the eye of Horus as the first of the three, indicating victory for Horus Crow by winning OR1 first. How does Crow Protein or Horus win? In vivo, if the cell DNA is badly damaged by ultraviolet radiation, the cell triggers its SOS response, which activates the host cell protein. <clears throat> e. coli rec A. Put simply, this enzyme destroys the C1 protein and crow protein wins. So the coming of the light is crucial. Now in the early days of baseball, Runners often went around the bases in the opposite direction, like crow proteins, OR321 binding process, and runners could also be struck out by being hit with the ball in a similar manner to Pharaoh Taharka striking out his enemies with clay balls. Today, the rule exists that a runner cannot run the bases in reverse order in an attempt to confuse the defense. When the Met New York Mets outfielder Jimmy Pearsall hit his 100th home run, on June 23rd, 1963, he ran the bases in the correct order, but facing backwards. Many considered Pearsall's behavior eccentric. Perhaps his inspiration came from the ancient Egyptian name where deities walked backwards to signify time reverse to the origin or the protein's home plate. In light of these analogies, accepting that folks 
that folk games like rounders and cricket in England were the origin of baseball neglects ancient Egyptian sources of knowledge and misses the genetic evolutionary meaning of ancient signs decoded by the ISIS thesis. That interpretation viewed through the lens of new science supports that ancient Egyptian deities are signs from viral and bacterial DNA functioning in the ancient gene expression network of phage lambda in the cell known as glycolysis fermentation pathway. This microbiological rationale for baseball or sports warfare is supported by the carvings on the subterranean edifice of Pharaoh Taharqa. Wearing a ceremonial tail, Pharaoh Taharqa throws one of the first fastballs in history, symbolic of clearing away the enemies. The balls are born to protect the risen Osiris forever, and the action of these signs supports the dynamics of ancient viral bacterial gene expression network for the lactic cycle as defined by modern experiment and observation of phage lambda and E. coli bacterial host cell. This same genetic pattern of sports warfare is evident in the Mayan culture. The Mayan hero twins and their game of death. In the Quiche Mayan Popo Va, circa 1701, the hero twins suggest the same genetic activity of two viral protein teams that descend into the other world to play a combination of soccer basketball with the gods one twin is decapitated but saved by resurrection from the dead and ascended to the stars as in egypt the oldest twin is reborn as a chemiluminescent morning star just as in ancient Egyptian, early Chinese in the Vejo text, while the other becomes associated with the full moon. The game itself deteriorated into a battle for life and death, similar to the one described by Sir James George Fraser between the old king and the new king in the Golden Bull. At Shikin Itza, scenes of human sacrifice decorate the walls in which the winning players decapitate the losers. This mythopoic game mirrors the ancient Egyptian brother rivalry of Set and Horus that is lambda C1 protein for lysogeny, set, versus crow protein for lysis. As mentioned, the proteins battle over control of two promoters, a series of operator sequences or gene seats, determining lysogeny or lysis. Crow and C1 are produced from opposing transcripts that both originate from the rightward operator region. The different protein levels vary as measured by the number of protein molecules in each concentration, while lambda switches through 40 possible gene states. Like a baseball, a basketball game, 
Crow and C1 battle to produce protein molecule balls within a binding process guided by funnel energy landscapes, basins of attraction or baskets. Lambda C1 forms the induced fit mechanism, whereas Crow uses the fly casting mechanism, which might be compared to a slam dunk versus a jump shot. Proteins exist in the cell as part of multi-component assemblies a higher order network of interacting protein complexes, what one might call a team. Molecules have form, function, and fluctuation in the same way that players have a formation, a task, and ability to change formations and tasks. Like balls into baskets, protein molecules are produced in random bursts as protein copy number increases. In fact, the entire game or random burst activity is determined by the number of balls replicated in the baskets, just like the C1 versus Crow protein molecule competition for operator sequences, determining lysogeny or lysis, a viral DNA binding battle from which sports warfare, warfare arose. This viral DNA binding battle may also be our biological motivation for war, a disconcerting thought considering human attraction to sports warfare. Again, in the artifice of Taharka, the viral genome is symbolized by the artwork of two arms stretched out like crosses stands on the cross. On the other hand, the sign of the Egyptian Ka is two arms stretched up to the sky. This symbolizes the ascension of the dead king into the heavens and the king's transformation into the golden child Horus, who embraces the cosmos in a quantum of crystallized light. The two upward arms represent both arms of the Lambda genome, enabled for its full function. The brothers Horus and Set are reconciled, for both proteins are cooperating in a binding process that is necessary for replication to occur. And so, the deceased king as the transformed golden child Horus has chemically embraced the cosmos by means of the two arms of the lambda genome that connote a quantum experience of cosmic unity at the origin of space-time. Today, microbiologists also speak of lambda's two arms that function for the competing lifestyles of lysogeny ruled by C1 protein and lysis ruled by crow protein. In the Isis thesis interpretation, ancient Egyptian references to arms and artwork depicting arms are signs of the lambda genome, DNA, or genes and proteins. While upward arms point to the joint function of the left arm or set cooperating with the right arm of Horus for the transformation of the dead king. What is ascendant for continuity of mind and DNA is the lifestyle of lysis ruled by crow protein that is facilitated by the cooperative actions of C1 protein. So the brothers Horus, Crow, and Seth, C1, cooperate peacefully. And this is the, the, the genetic secret of the two partners at the Egyptian said festival. The said festival from the Old Kingdom, C.A. 2520 to 2360 BCE. At the said festival, the opening rites in honor of the bull goddess Hathor involved the procession of the king, 
following four standards from temple to temple. According to Joseph Campbell, in the middle of this ritual, the king disappears into the palace chapel, reappearing with his right hand holding a flail scepter and his left hand holding a small scroll called the will, the house document or secret of the two partners. The king then states, I have run holding the secret of the two partners, the will that my father has given me before death. I have passed through the land and touched the four sides of it. I transverse it as I desire. With the ancient king's description of his home run, the game of baseball between the two teams is the perfect medium to explore the argument for and against the ISIS thesis. The evidence suggests that the game originated in ancient Egypt to explain the ancient gene expression network of <clears throat> bacteriophage lambda and its E. coli host, where the genetic switch to lysis activated by the light requires the cooperation of two repressor proteins that allow the dead king's transformation for continuity of mind in the cosmos as a morning star, that is, a quasi-hybrid being described as crystallized mind. In the least corrupted pyramid and coffin texts, this secret knowledge of life beyond death at the molecular level of DNA was carved in the pyramids of the pharaohs and on the bottoms of the tombs of the nobility. This genetic knowledge with the ritual provided the pharaohs and nobility with a godlike spiritual experience. And so the knowledge was glorified and humans were elevated as deities. An apotheosis that was reserved for the pharaohs and their elite hieratic priesthood, following the instructions in this hidden network of signs describing an ancient gene expression pathway, the deceased king became a member of the potent noble dead. This science provided Egyptian pharaohs and their priesthood with answers to profound ontological questions, such as who we are, is there life after death, and how does our universe function? Buried in pyramids and tombs for centuries, the wisdom of the Egyptian elite remained masked even though Jean-Francois Champollion cracked the code for Egyptian hieroglyphics in 1822. Although this event was an advance, 19th and 20th century scholars struggled with little success to interpret the hidden meaning of the hieroglyphs and artwork. Although the 20th century exploded with the counter-intuitional magic of quantum mechanics, traditional Egyptologists still view the ancient Egyptian texts as primitive, confusing, and unintelligible. Today, quantum mechanics and quantum biology can explain the problematic magic Egyptologists encounter in the funerary texts and rituals. New science is the magnifying glass to interpret the quantum mysteries of the least corrupted genetic texts. This strategy reveals that the actions of the deities are signs defining the ancient dream expression network of the creator virus Lambda and its bacterial host E. coli. 
This ancient gene expression network is the glycolysis fermentation pathway, also known as the maltose transport system. The pharaonic priesthood believed that this ancient chemical pathway would allow continuity of mind and DNA at a human death transition. That is, if the person had knowledge about the ancient viral gene expression network for transformation to a morning star, which can be described as the crystallized emergence of a cult-like quasi-hybrid being. Certainly, the modern terms virus and bacterium were not used by the pharaonic priesthood for their deities. However, their least corrupted texts describe the ancient glycolysis gene expression network and lactose metabolism down to minute details. Again, the hidden status of this quantum biology in pyramids and tombs generally preserved its scientific purity, preventing the infusion of contrasting notions or variant ideologies from other cultures, although these still emerged. Remarkably, ancient Egyptian science mirrors the detailed knowledge of our scientific discoveries verified by experiment and observation as the Isis thesis in 12 articles explained.